All right. People of hope, put your hands together because we love life. We love eternal life. We love abundant life. And what a joy to be in God's house. I am so glad you are here. Thanks for coming. You are an answer to prayer. We are wrapping up our series on the DNA of hope. And uh, DNA is fascinating. Has anybody ever seen uh, CSI? There's like a million CSI shows now. CSI New York, CSI Miami, CSA Las Vegas, CSA LA. I'm waiting for CSI Sarasota. And here's the interesting thing. They can find the smallest little drop. And from that little drop, they can figure out the DNA of an entire person. Now, here's what I would hope. We are called the body of Christ. I would love if when people found you, the one individual member, that they would find the DNA of hope inside of you, that what the church should be, the definition of the church. And we define the church through the eyes of its founder. Here's what we've been talking about. Here's what I'd like them to find in you. I'd like them to find a love that loves people the way Jesus loves them. Unconditionally, purposefully, mercifully, loving everyone all the time because that's what Jesus loved. I I hope when they would find in you, they would find someone that lives like Jesus lives. He lived the Word of God. He lived the perfect will of God. That's a high goal, but I would hope that people would find you living to the high of life like Jesus. I hope they would find in you giving like Jesus, living like Jesus, but also giving radical generosity giving of your thoughts and your time and your treasure and your talents to make people's lives around you better. The radical generosity of Jesus should be our DNA. Last week I was in Africa worshiping with our brothers and sisters over in Uganda. Peter preached on, yes, that was good, thank you. Okay, I I don't know if you're clapping because I was away. I'm really not sure what that's about. But we can clap. Pastor Peter preached about serving like Jesus and we're thankful for that. And I'm so glad to be back to wrap up this series, Calling the DNA of Praying Like Jesus. Prayer was absolutely essential. In fact, it's the one thing of all the things Jesus did, and he did a lot of things. He he preached. He was a good preacher. He was a teacher. He taught incredibly. He was a miracle worker, a healer. But his disciples never said, Jesus, teach us how to heal, teach us how to do miracles. They did Ask Jesus this in Luke chapter 11, which is the passage of Scripture we're looking at today. Open your Bible or get your study guide out. In Luke chapter 11, they came to him after Jesus had been praying, and they said, Jesus, we want to learn this. We have noticed the secret to your power is prayer. And it's the secret to the power in your life. You should be just like this disciple that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I would like to learn to pray the way you pray. I think if we knew what Jesus knew, we would pray like Jesus prayed. And Jesus unfolds what's called the Lord's Prayer or the Model Prayer, or some call it the Disciples' Prayer. It's found in two passages of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6 and in this passage, Luke chapter 11. He says, okay, if you want to learn to pray like I pray, here's how you should pray. And if you've got a pen to take some notes, I want you to note these elements of prayer. This is a prayer that I pray virtually every day of my life. And the longer I have prayed this prayer, 
the more insight, wisdom, revelation. It's like a diamond with many facets. Eternity. Oh, that's beautiful. But let me show you some of the stuff that Jesus wants us to do as we pray in line with his life of prayer. Here's the first thing. When you pray, take your focus off of yourself, off of your lack, off of your limitation, and fix your focus on your Father, your Heavenly Father. How does the prayer start? In fact, some people call this prayer the Our Father prayer because the prayer begins, Our Father. Now, some of you had great dads and some of you had mediocre dads and some of you had bad dads. But push all that aside because I'm talking about a good, good Heavenly Father as Jesus showed him to be. Jesus taught that he was our Abba. The Father is an important role in our life. He at least was the one who was the source of life, the seed of life, the supply of our life. And so what Jesus is saying is take your eyes off of your lack, your limitation, and put your eyes on the source and supply who happened to be the one who created heaven and earth. And if he created all this, he can supply what you need today. Moses had an encounter with this God in the burning bush and said, who are you? And Jesus revealed himself as the I am. I am who I am. The great Yahweh, the Hebrews call the Yahweh. But every name that God is revealed in the scripture shows us that whatever you need today, everyone has a need today. Everyone in this room has a need. And whatever you need, if you'll get your eyes on God, you'll find he has exactly what you need. If you need salvation, transformation, he is the God of salvation. If you need healing, he is the God of healing. If you need provision, he is the provider. Whatever you need, no matter how big it is, he is the almighty, self-sufficient, am that I am God. Get your eyes off your lack. Get your eyes off your limitation and fix your eyes on your Father. Hallowed be your name. Because God has, met, God has the name Father, but he has many names, provider, healer, savior, whatever you need, he's got a name for it. And whatever his name is. So Jesus says, take your eyes. This is so important in prayer. Stop as you begin your prayer thinking about what you don't have and get your eyes on the one who has everything you need. Our Father. Go ahead, just say it. Our Father. And then he asked us, it's amazing, this God, creator of the universe, the great I am, the Yahweh, he asks us to invite this great God of the universe into our lives. As he asks us to pray, your kingdom come. That's an invitation. Your kingdom come. We are praying, watch this, for an ongoing relationship with this great God who is our Father. Every relationship that you have in this world, and I'm sure some of you have relationships. How many people have a relationship? Here's how it began. Every relationship in the world begins with an invitation. 
Somewhere you met someone and they invited you into their world. This is exactly what God wants us to do. Have you ever heard the term receiving Christ? You've heard that that's an invitation where God is received, invited into our lives. That's the initial born again, beginning again, fresh start. But if you're going to have an ongoing relationship, you have to make more than one invitation. So, sweet Darla Joy, I had to work on her a long time in college. Two years of hard work of many, trying to invite her into my world. After two years, she finally accepted my invitation, thanks be to God. Two years, just don't give up. I just didn't give up. And finally, she came into my world. Please, please, please. And she came into my world. But in 35 years of wedded bliss, there have been many invitations. Many. Do you want to have coffee together? Do you want to have dinner together? Do you want to watch this movie together? Do you want to watch Hallmark? It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. God, come on. It's a sacrifice, isn't it? It's a sacrifice. Every Hallmark movie is exactly like every other Hallmark movie. Here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. The guy she doesn't like in the first five minutes is the guy. They're going to come together in a magical way, and 20 minutes before the show is over, 20 minutes before the show comes to its conclusion, it's going to all fall apart. There's going to be a disaster. They're going to, and then five minutes before the top of the hour, five minutes before the program is concluded, they're going to come together in a beautiful, happily ever after moment. I know you love Hallmark, but you watch. Now watch, you, some of you are going to start watching Hallmark, and when they fight that last, you go, it's 20 minutes before. They're going to do that. That's, uh, you know, it's happening. Here's how it is with God. We have an initial invitation. Your kingdom come. Christ come into my heart. Christ come into my life. But what we need to do is ongoing invite the kingdom of God into our reality. Every room you step into, every opportunity, every relationship, Lord, let your kingdom come. This should be a prayer that is prayed so many times because Jesus is saying, come to this great God who is the Father, the source and the supply of all, but invite him into your world. Your kingdom come. Put your hand on your heart and say, your kingdom come. Come on, say it again. Your kingdom come. That's an invitation. Jesus walked in close union with the Heavenly Father. His life was his prayer. He constantly invited the kingdom of God to come in him and come through him. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're bringing ourselves back into that ongoing loving relationship. So once we've established our eyes are on God, he is a part of our life, he's in us moving through us, then we can move to pray this way, watch this, we can pray every day for the miraculous. Now, you may not get that at first glance when you read, because this can be sort of boring maybe, daily bread. That doesn't really sound jazzy, does it? Daily bread. Like, this is much bigger than your next cheeseburger. You, you have to understand the Hebrew mind. 
The Hebrew mind knew in their history, there was a moment in their Hebrew history where they were in the wilderness and they had no source and they had no supply and God provided for them every day miraculous bread called manna. So when you pray your daily bread, you are inviting, get this, miraculous manna moments. It's for you to move to the edge of your seat. <laughs> I saw you do it. That's good for you. Good for you. You're with me, Aaron. But it's literally, it's to get on the edge of your seat and go, what's God got for me today? See, you say, well, isn't that presumptuous to pray for a miracle every day? No. When you start to have a miraculous mindset, you start to see miracles. Every sunset is a miracle. It's a miracle that God would put the sun just the right distance away from this earth so that we don't burn up or we don't freeze up. And then he put the earth right on exactly the right axis so we'd be perfectly aligned to the sun. And even in Florida, better than that, no snow. Every sunrise is a miracle. Every breath. Some of you are breathing right now. Every breath is a miracle. That you would breathe in oxygen and breathe out carbon dioxide. And the plants would breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out exactly what you need. Every breath is a miracle. When you start praying this way, you start to experience more of the miraculous, and that's what I'd like. I'd like you to experience this week more of the miraculous by inviting miraculous manna moments. They're available. Not too long ago, my dad said, I'd like to go to Ontario. I'd like to visit my sister. She's older than I am, and my dad is very old. And, he, and so he needs help traveling. So uh, my youngest brother and I helped him on his journey to Ontario to see some friends, his sister, relatives, places he wanted to go. There were so many. You can call them coincidences, but when I start lining them up, you're going to go, wow. Let's just practice right now. Wow. Let's, just practice. Let's try it backwards. Let's see. Very good. So, so here, so... So, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're driving along um, the highway. We come to a little wee place called Bancroft. It's so small, if you sneeze, you'll miss it. And uh, in Bancroft, there's a Tim Hortons, which if you know Canadian life, Tim Hortons is very important to Canadians. It's a coffee shop. So we stop at Tim Hortons, and we walk in. There's a few people there, and a man walks up and says to me, I've been to your church in Florida. Okay. No, no, the same guy turns to my brother who pastors a church in Corpus Christi and said, I've been to your church in Corpus Christi. The same guy. He was traveling with a motorcycle gang, Christian motorcycle gang, <laughs> that were from the city that I lived in 25 years ago before I moved here, and I knew them. They happened to be at the right coffee shop at the right time for us to have some conversation. It's, it's wow, 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 wow. Then we went up to the Ottawa Valley where I did a lot of growing up, where we uh, have some relatives. My mother is from that region. 
And before we went up to the Ottawa Valley, there was um, uh, a lady that contacted us. Her name is Anna. She's like an adopted sister to my mom and dad and uh, a daughter to them and a sister to us. But she's very close to our family. She lives in Montreal. If you know geography, she said, um, if you're going to be in Ottawa, uh, I would drive two hours just to have coffee with you. That's a long okay, That's a long way. And we said, well, we're not really going to be in Ottawa. The closest we're coming in is Arm Prior. We're not going to make it there. It's not going to work out. So we go to Arm Prior. We have a dinner with our relatives, uh, my, the cousins that are there. Wonderful time. And as we pull out of the parking lot, my brother Rod, fly by the seat of his pants, Rod, <laughs> says, let's, let's, let's go to Ottawa. So in the parking lot of the restaurant. He makes a hotel reservation at a hotel in Ottawa. We drive there. We get there 9, 10 o'clock at night, and he says, we should call Anna. That's the girl's name. We should call Anna and tell her we're here. I said, that's really unfair. We told her we weren't coming to Ottawa. We weren't going to be here. It's two hours. She'll get up in the morning. If she can, she has no come to have coffee with us. Two hours. not really fair. We're not going to call her. But... We come down to breakfast at our hotel in the morning, and she is there. <laughs> Miraculous manna moments. She has a daughter who had a doctor's appointment. The doctor happened to be in Ottawa, two hours from where she lives. She comes to Ottawa. It's the nation's capital. There are a lot of hotels to stay at. Which hotel does she stay at? Our hotel. She gets hungry for breakfast at what time? Just the same time we get hungry. And we meet her in the hotel breakfast bar. We're not done yet. We drive to Pembroke. Uh, my youngest brother got some bad guacamole. So he's wiped out in the hotel. He can't hardly move. He says, I, I, gotta, I can't go to dinner. So I take my dad to another great Canadian institution, Swiss Chalet. And we go to Swiss Chalet. We walk into Swiss Chalet. And two young men walk up to us and say, hi, Mr. Young. Hi, Mr. Young. We're trying to figure, who are you? Uh, he says, you, you won't recognize us because this strapping young man who now lives on the west coast or west air Calgary, out west, uh, you dedicated him as a baby in the church that you pastored in this area. And I'm his brother. We knew both of them who just happened to be hungry for chicken at the right restaurant at the right time so we could have some fellowship with them. Wow. I'm gonna, when you live this way, when you get up every morning and say, give them today, Lord, I want some daily bread, some miraculous manna moments. You want to hear another one? Fresh off the grill. Last night, church. A lady comes in, church is going on, she's walking through, she's wandering around. My wife sees her, she's, my wife is serving in Tiny Town, helping the little ones. She says, hello, can I help you? The lady says, well, I'm, I'm Brazilian, and she says, great, we have a Brazilian church. She said, well, really why I'm here is I have a, a niece who's moved to this area, she doesn't know anybody, I'm trying to just get her connected. So Darla says, well, we have someone that's serving in Tiny Town. She speaks Portuguese. Maybe she can help you. She comes out. They get into a conversation in Portuguese. The two of them light up because the niece and this girl who happens to be, happens to be serving in Tiny Town at that moment come from the same small town in Brazil. Wow. 
I would, I would just like you to have some more wow moments. I'd like you to have some more daily bread moments. And if you're open to them, you will live into them, and there's more miracles waiting for you this week than you can imagine. Than you can imagine. Miracle manna moments. Then he says you've got to pray with a clean heart. Forgive us as we are willing to forgive others. Now this is a prayer that Jesus never had to pray himself. Because Jesus never had an unclean heart. He never had an unclean thought. He never had an unclean action. But he knew that we would need to pray this way. So he says, you need to pray for forgiveness. Because forgiveness cleans the spiritual arteries for the spiritual heart to operate at its maximum capacity. Now notice this, though. Notice this. Notice the order of this prayer. Our Father, focusing on God welcoming his kingdom, then praying for the miraculous, daily bread, daily provision, and then, and then, after the miracles, receiving forgiveness. That's grace. Get that. That's grace. We reverse it. We say, man, if if my life was only good enough, if I was forgiven enough, then I could receive the miraculous manna moments, but not in God's economy. In God's economy, he is more willing to visit you with the miraculous even when you don't earn it, even when you don't deserve it, because the miracles actually are coming before the clean heart. That's amazing to me. Just the order of that, that's the same in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, that we pray our daily bread to receive, and then we move into forgiveness. And get this, forgiveness is a two-way street. Put your hand on your heart again. Say, forgiveness is a two-way street. We receive forgiveness from God and we give forgiveness to others. And that keeps a clean relationship in our prayer life. And I thought of this thought about six weeks ago and I taught it to you about four weeks ago and I've thought about it so many times since then that forgiveness is both an event and a journey. There's the initial time that we forgive someone and then we keep forgiving them and keep forgiving them and keep forgiving them until they are forgiven. That's a journey. Sometimes years long. But we keep that street open because forgiveness is a two-way street. When you are forgiving towards others, it empowers your prayers. I wish you'd get that. I'm going to say it again. When you forgive others, it empowers your prayers. That's why this is in the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, the disciple prayer. Forgive us as we are willing to forgive others. And then pray a prayer that overcomes evil. Interesting phrase. Interesting phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation. I had somebody come and say, why would I ever have to pray this? Why would I pray to a good heavenly father... Would, was, would God ever, would God ever lead me into temptation? So think, just think, and let, me, and let me slow this phrase down. Let me slow it down for you. First two words. Lead us. Is it slow enough yet? Lead get this. Okay, watch this. If you are guided by God, if you are truly led by God, 
will you ever end up in temptation? No or no? The answer is no. What he's acknowledging here is we pray God lead us, and he's acknowledging on your journey there is a temptor and there is temptation. There is a spiritual battle going on for your soul today. And the way to overcome darkness, the way to overcome evil, is to be constantly guided by God, constantly inspired by his indwelling voice, led through relational difficulties, led by things that would mess you up, pulled away from people that would pull you off track. Lead us, O oh God, so we don't end up in temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And then finally, he ends this teaching with a little story of a man who um, came in the middle of the night to a friend, and he's teaching us to pray with perseverance. He tells the story of a man who came and came and came, and finally he received what he needed because of his perseverance. Everybody say it, perseverance. Here's what it is. Never, ever, ever, never, ever, never, ever, 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 never, ever, never, ever, never, 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 ever, never, 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 ever, never, 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 ever, never, never, ever, never, 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 give up. So, so we pray just to make it today. No. We pray until something happens. We pray, and we don't give up. We pray. I was reminded of that when we were touring our little town that I grew up in from age 9 to 19, and we stopped by 523 Alfred Street, the house that I grew up in, and so many memories in that house, and so many things happened in that church, in that house. One of the biggest things that happened in that house was my grandfather gave his life to Christ in that house. We prayed for him. Year after 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 year. Professional people told him the gospel, prayed for him, tried to say, would you give your heart to Christ? My grandmother, who was the spiritual giant in our family, really lived spiritually single. Some of you know what that's like, spiritually single. She was alive in Christ, but her husband wasn't, but she kept on praying. And she kept on praying, and she kept on praying, and she kept on praying. But in that house, Shirley Green, the former prostitute who had been revolutionized by the power of Jesus Christ, explained one more time the gospel to Keith, and Keith was challenged, would you today give your heart to Christ? And he said, today is the day. And a miracle took place in that house because of persistent, never giving up prayer. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you, if you are praying for something, someone, something, never give up. Pray, pray with persistence. It's in, it's in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is talking about prayer, the famous portion, ask. I just think that if you pray like Jesus, there are some things that you haven't received yet just because you haven't asked. Ask and it will be given to you. Pray to a big God. Pray big prayers to a big God. Pray to the God who is the great I am, the, the Abba Father, the, the provider, the source, and the supply of everything you do. Pray that big. Pray. 
Seek, and you're going to find there are things, there are miraculous moments you've been missing last week, but I hope you don't miss them this week. Because your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be praying with a new awareness. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the doors will be open. There are things, discoveries, revelation, insight, prophetic views that God is going to open to you as you open up the door. And there's new things as you pray like Jesus prayed. So let's turn our hearts towards God. Let's keep our focus as we pray. Our Father. Let's pray for that relationship that welcomes over and over and over again, even into this service, your kingdom. Guys that are going to be baptized, when, you're, when you are baptized, you are inviting the kingdom of God to do something new in your life. Your kingdom come. As you go into the water, under the water, your kingdom come. When Jesus went under the water, the Holy Spirit showed up. The kingdom of God showed up. And you're inviting the kingdom of God. And when you invite the kingdom of God, miracles will take place. The daily miracles, even today, the miraculous will unfold. Pray for our daily bread. Pray with a clean heart. My prayer would be that every single person listening to this message by internet, by live, that every heart would be cleansed by the power of Almighty God. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. God freely gives it. All you have to do is ask, forgive me, forgive me. And he says, yes. God is more willing to forgive you. God is more willing to cleanse your heart than you're even willing to ask. He'll cleanse you and give you a fresh start, a new beginning. Born again experience, Jesus talked about it. Cleansing your heart. Pray that you'll overcome because there's a spiritual battle going on for your life and the life of your family. Lead us, lead us, lead us, God, so we don't end up in temptation. And never, ever, never, ever give up. Pray with persistence. And when we pray like Jesus prayed, we will live the life that Jesus lived. And wouldn't that be wonderful to live like Jesus? You can't live like Jesus unless you pray like Jesus. You can't love like Jesus unless you pray like Jesus. You can't give like Jesus with radical generosity unless you pray like Jesus. It's all anchored in your prayer. Your prayer is the power of your life. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Grace and peace. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to be baptized. Now, I don't want you to go anywhere. I want you to catch these baptisms. They are moments of transformation. I want you to celebrate the goodness of God in our friends' lives as we celebrate in just a moment. But I pray the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ will be with you. I pray that your heart will be pure. Out loud, just pray that. Out loud, just pray this. Heavenly Father, out loud, say it. Heavenly Father, your kingdom come in my heart. I turn away from sin and selfishness. Forgive me and help me to forgive others. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil one. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Thank you for never giving up on me, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you so much, God. In the name that is above every other name, everybody says... Amen. Give the Lord an ovation of praise.